there was never a moment where I thought Yen's going to change her mind here. She's not going to actually take her until the very end. No, I, that's completely fair. And I don't, I think that's honestly the biggest problem with the show, at least for me, is the whole point of the novels is it is Geralt, Siri, and Yennefer, like it's that family and it's that relationship. Siri's the main character. It's Siri. It's not, it's not Geralt. It's Siri's story, I should say. And to hit up on all of that. And in the show, I don't know if it's because it's only eight episodes. I don't know if it's only eight episodes because they don't want to do it to 10. If it's hundred million dollars and someone at Netflix is like, we're not giving you a hundred million dollars to have people talk in rooms. We need monsters. We need to market it as Henry Cavill being Witcher Superman. I don't know what it is, but you're exactly right that we're not feeling this. There's no weight of this because it's too much. Go, 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 go. And there's not enough of them actually being together and cultivating those relationships. Welcome to The Story Thinker, a Webtoons and Witcher podcast for superfans with scene-by-scene analysis. Featuring sharp co-hosts for a fuller picture, we dive deep into character psychology, relationships, and theories. We'd love it if you could like, subscribe, comment, and rate us on all podcast platforms and social media. For bonus content, you can support The Story Thinker on Patreon. Let's begin. And welcome to episode eight of our coverage of The Witcher on The Story Seeker. And today I'm very excited. We have special guests from another Witcher podcast called On the Path. And you guys should really check it out. They have podcasts on the books and they're doing a podcast on the TV season as well. So welcome to Brett and Lucy, who will now introduce themselves. Thank you. Hello. Lucy, go ahead. Thank you. Uh, so I'm Lucy. I go by Lucy J. Robin online. Um, I am a Witcher fan. Um, I guess I'm still relatively new to the Witcher world. I started playing the Witcher games uh, about this time last year and that got me into the Netflix series and I have started the books. I'm not much of a reader so I'm trying to make my way through the audiobooks. Um, and yeah I just sort of fell in love with the story and the characters and I felt like I could really relate to a lot of them in uh, weird ways not in monster hunting ways but just in more personal ways um, and other than that I'm a software developer I stream on Twitch and yeah I do on the path podcast with Brett as well all right well I'm Brett and online generally like the Fox Bride is a name that's you know I stream Witcher stuff uh, basically have my hands in almost all pots with the Witcher our podcast on the path it started off as a called whispers of oxenford it was just me talking about the books mainly i uh, got through with that you know got in touch with lucy and thankfully she agreed to uh, <laughs> come on as well and we started with going over the witcher 3 and then the show came out so now we're going through the show once we finish that we're going like a main quest by quest of the witcher 3 but everything play gwent's stream that's uh part of a gwent esports team called team Eratusa. basically anything all things witcher as you can see kind of behind me there so and i'm also a high school teacher social studies kind of all subjects there used to be a basketball coach i'm not coaching now and i'm not sure i'm gonna go back because it's nice having free time and a life yeah. and if you're mm -hmm. a basketball coach mainly like a high school basketball coach or a college coach like i used to be you don't really have a life outside of that <laughs> So it's nice, and I think I'm enjoying this time off right now. Nice. Yeah, and um, there'll be links to everyone's, you know, stuff down below. So you can check them out in the description. 
Awesome. Okay. So we have a lot to say. <laughs> I know I have a lot to say. I'm sure you have a lot to say. I just, I just want to have a little bit of a prelude. Um, I found, personally found this episode to be most, let's just say, convoluted, confusing, questionable. And um, I, I want to just appreciate everyone who put all their efforts into this work. And I know that, you know, it's easy for us to sit on the outside and find criticisms. And I know that everyone has invested a lot of time and effort and to try to do their best. And I just want to acknowledge that. So um, I apologize for, in advance for the uh, questions you'll raise on some things. I do, I do know that it's much harder to, to do it when you're when you're the one sitting in there in the chair and, and making like the writing decisions. So I want to acknowledge that. <laughs> yeah, they were very, they're very ambitious, that's for sure, in what it is. And I think a lot of it right now is a lot is set up, especially by this episode, especially by the end. I mean, there's what, like three or four like massive cliffhangers. Yeah. And it's more or less reserving full judgment to see kind of where they take it. And especially if you kind of quote, no, we don't really know where anything's going because they can change things up as they want. But there are big events in the books that you might know and how they streamline it, uh, streamline, streamline it <laughs> there. Uh, I'm kind of just waiting to see how they kind of tie it together because that's going to be the big thing. If they can tie it all together, then it'll all be worth it. Okay. Okay, so we're going to go by storyline. So um, we'll kind of leave Kara Moore and everything that happens. Um, we'll do that in one chunk. So just before we get to that, there's a bit about what happens in Sintra. So we have um, Dara finally confessing and telling Philandrel and Francesca, you know, hey, sorry guys, I've kind of been spying for Ritania all along. <laughs> and he tells them that, you know, Deke Stress said, oh, I don't need you anymore. And, um, you know, I'll get Siri on my own. And Francesca, so Francesca says, you know, okay, um, everyone's out to get us because we're elves and they, and they hate us. And it's, you know, it's nothing to do with the fact that we're aligning ourselves with Milfgaard. Um, personally, I don't know what you guys thought, but one big element that I feel like the Witcher portrays is that the elves are in many, in many ways, um, the victims of this time period. Um, obviously there's a lot of bad stuff happening to everybody across the continent, but they are portrayed as victims in, in many ways, but it's pretty clear to me that they, you know, the cycle of hatred is, is discussed a lot in, in the Witcher and I see the elves as 100% falling prey to that. Um, the cycle of needless hatred, hatred, hating people as a group because of the actions of some individuals from that group, and just the, the kind of like the collective trauma that the elves have accumulated over the years. And the it seems to me like hatred is really ingrained in them, and they see themselves as, you know, the persecuted race, and everyone's out to get them. And I think it's honestly tipped the balance of their thinking um, to the extent that they've also become blinded by hate. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think especially when we get to this point of the series, Francesca has sort of went from wanting to find a home for the elves and sort of just wanting to live peacefully with them. And she sort of turned it on its head now and now she's wanting to go on the offense and fight back. Um, so yeah, I totally know what you mean where they've, they're sort of, their hatred is kind of ingrained in them now and it's gone so far that they feel like they have to, hit back at the humans as such yeah it's a big thing they've they've left out is and you can see this the wallet whole thing right there is the scoia'tael which again you talk about the cycle of hate in the show it seems very one-sided it's the humans have persecuted them and the elves are oppressed 
but we don't really see the elves fighting back until this time. And that's something in there that it's more a little gray area is you can kind of see atrocities, if you want to call them, on both sides of it. And it's kind of one of those chicken or the egg things where, you know, to solve it, you have to stop the violence, but then they're just retaliating. But then the other side retaliates for the retaliating. And it's just, like you said, this endless cycle of it not stopping. And yeah, the way, uh, I guess we can kind of get there, the way it ends with Francesca and them, that was, uh, that was pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. Intense, wasn't I- it? Yeah, yeah, and we'll, we'll get to it really quickly. But yeah, just before we do that, um, what something else that happens um, in Centro at this time with Fringilla and Kahir, which I have a lot to say about them. I'm very curious also what you guys think about them. But basically a big theme for Fringilla is that, you know, she's going from a follower to a leader and she has to find, you know, what she wants out of life and how much autonomy she's willing to take rather than, you know, blindly or yeah, blindly following what others want her to do. So she has this conversation with Kahir. Um, she tells him, hey, you know, you were kind of right. The elves have left. They're not that loyal to our cause. And Kahir, you know, she's like, I wish Francesca would have told me and I would have helped her, which it's, it's interesting because Frangela in the beginning was portrayed to be very, very stern, very emotionless, very um, cold, and she developed this friendship with Francesca. So when Francesca leaves, her first thought is not, oh my gosh, my political career is at stake. Her first thought is, I wish I could have helped my friend, which it's nice to see that human side of her. <clears throat> and that's actually one of the things I like about The Witcher and probably every well-written story. Um, I remember hearing an interview with Aaron Sorkin where he talks about when you're writing your villain, your villain cannot seem like the villain to you. You have to know the villain's motives and the, the villain has to seem like a person. And there's a lot of people who do very bad things in The Witcher, but they are human to us and we understand them and we sympathize for them. And Francesca, sorry, Frangela has really developed um, a softer side throughout this season. I guess that'd be a good like question to posit is, is fr- what is Frangela? Is she a villain? Hmm. Yeah, because I think especially in the earlier episodes when she's, Sorry, yeah, is it the end of episode one where she wakes up with Yennefer or Yennefer wakes up with Frangilla and she's definitely kind of painted as a bad guy here and obviously after the events of Sodden. Um, but you do, I, I know what you mean, she does become more human over this series and you start to feel for her and as the relationship with Francesca develops, you do definitely see a more human side to her and by the end of the series, I really, really like Frangilla, like even after some of the questionable decisions that she makes. Um, I kind of was rooting for her to, you know, get whatever she was seeking from Emir. Um, but whether or not she's a villain at the moment, I'm not sure. Because we, this, um, there was a lot of her saying this series as well about Nilfgaard in general um, being liberators. And uh, that comes up a lot, doesn't it? Um, trying to see it from their side and how they don't feel like they are bad people. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer for whether or not she's a villain. Yeah, her role has been like massively expanded. And it's one of the changes that I actually really like mm. is we actually get a face of Nilfgaard, if you will, because she's kind of leading the non-military side. If you want to say Kyer is like, leading, he's another, both, like you said before, Mindy, the, uh, those two are definitely the most interesting to me and the most interested I'm in to see how they go forth because they are so different than the expected characterization of it that I honestly have no idea where they're going with it. But I do enjoy, 
it not Nilfgaard not being faceless that they kind of were before that we actually get to see it. And like you said, to them, they're liberators to the invading. You know, that's the way it works. When you invade somebody, you're a liberator. If you're getting invaded, they're, they're a conqueror. And we also hear Istrid throughout the season, you know, tell Geralt, or might've been the first season when, you know, Nilfgaard provide, excuse me, Nilfgaard provides him yeah. his research and doing all that and learning and they're doing all that. And so to see this, you know, you can call it murky or grayness of it to not quite juxtapose with the Northern realms, but it's, both can be bad, both can be good, that there isn't like a straight villain. Well, I mean, there are maybe some straight villains, but it's definitely not this side is totally bad, this side is totally good. They have their pros, they have their cons. Mm. I don't know about you, but I kept thinking of um, very specific events in, in world history, in recent world history, as I was watching The Witcher, which I don't know how much was the writer's intentions. Um, I don't know how much of it is just human behavior is the same. <laughs> it's just whether it's through the Witcher world history, like humans always have the same thing. Like, okay, you know, oh, I, I'm, I think I'm a liberator and, you know, I'm killing thousands of people while liberating them. So, yeah, I think it does reflect the way humans like to think of themselves as good, even when they're doing things that other people don't think are good. But regarding that here, I, um, I also did hear, like, I haven't read the books, but because I've been, you know, reading online, I did hear that Kahir and Fringilla's roles were very much expanded. And I personally love it as well. I love that Fringilla clearly has an arc of, um, I want to discover my own power, which is what happens now in this conversation. Kahir tells her, it's not just that she was your friend, it's that you wanted to show Amir that you were a good leader. And then he gives her this whole, so Kahir also is fairly intelligent and able to, to recognize her, her growth plan, which I find perceptive. And Kahir is another character that started out, you know, as kind of like the black face, like black knight, he was the faceless, uh, you know, people coming to kill, you know, uh, kill everyone in Sintra, kidnap Cirella. And over the course of these two seasons, he has become a human and he's, you know, become friendly with Yennefer and helps her out. And here, this, his interaction with Fringilla throughout their time in Citra, he's kind of like stuck in between the other generals who have a much more harsh view of how they should interact with elves and with um, Fringilla, who has a more human view of how they should interact with the elves. And I feel like he's, he's very much in a hard place because he, he doesn't want to upset either party and he understands, you know, being nicer to the elves which again, I find it very peculiar how he was able to cold-bloodedly, you know, order the murder of everybody at, you know, in Sintra in the, in the first season and at Sodden, but somehow he has sympathy for the elves. Yeah, Kyers, I, I just don't know exactly. He, he's a true believer, right? Like the way he talks about the white flame mm-hmm. and trust in Emir. And yeah, like you said there, it's not everything's kind of matching up. I don't know exactly what to make of him. And in a way, Fringilla is well, because I thought I knew what it was. Like I said, Fringilla's been humanized a lot. And the partnership, there's that one scene that sticks out to me when uh, when Francesca is pregnant and they're in there and they're saying, well, I've never had a partnership. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, me neither. And it's like a genuine like friendship on top of that partnership. And so, yeah, I just, both of them, I'm just cautiously eyeing. I don't know what to make of them. No, I agree. Because I, I, especially when they have this conversation in the episode where Kahir is sort of getting that Fringilla to almost take ownership of um, ordering the death of the uh, elf baby. Um, I didn't, like, I feel like I don't trust him 
like when he was having that conversation with Fringilla I was like girl like I don't know if you should trust him here he's gonna throw you under the bus like I don't know what's going on um but I think they've done that really well and it's probably intentional because as much as they're trying to show us this human side of Nilfgaard we sh- probably shouldn't let our guard down and completely Nilfgaard down we sh- shouldn't completely uh you know forget everything that's went on in the past but that's what's so fascinating to me about and getting these different perspectives is like y'all that have not read the books and don't know it, you know, is me, I'm expecting certain things. And yeah. so when I see it, I'm like, wait, what is he getting at? Or what is it doing? And someone like Kyer, he's not a general in the books. He's not this military commander. He's an agent and he's sent there to get Siri. And, you know, you go from there. And like, so like you said that I'm just looking at kind of cockeyed, like, huh how are they are they going to tie this back to it is it not going to be there and so that's what I just love to hear from you know the differences and the opposite of those expectations so I I personally am very um biased towards Kair for some reason I have taken an inexplicable love to him so I I really can't figure out why but he's become my favorite character so I am personally invested in him becoming a nice guy <laughs> okay see um, this oh my gosh see ah oh, I want to talk so badly about because <laughs> again there's certain things that he's I will not spoil anything but he is my least favorite oh. of things because of things that I won't say <laughs> but so people like will love Kyrie and I'll always be like and if people have read the books I'm like why because of so-and-so and so now when people like like him I'm like, okay, we'll see. We'll see if it goes the way that it went before. So it's just, again, I just love hearing that. I get giddy. That was like my favorite thing. This is a bit of a tangent, but you know, when like maybe a new friend starts watching Game of Thrones and they're like, yeah. Ned Stark's my favorite character. And I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. A wedding. This will be good. Yeah. So I will admit, I actually did get a bit spoiled online about what Kahir does in the books. I mean, I don't even know if it's the same thing you're thinking of because I, I might only know a small fraction of what actually happens. But again, I think you're right. Like, I don't know if the show is going to go in that same direction. So I feel like maybe it will happen, maybe it won't happen. So I'm trying to forget what I saw. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, I do like the fact that Tahir is trying to help Frangela, right? He tells her, okay, you know, you should pretend that this was your plan. And like you said, he's trying to help her step into her power and also save their butts, honestly, really. <laughs> he is trying to make sure they don't get deposed which doesn't really help but okay and you know he refers back to the fact he's like you told me I should rave let me rave <laughs> back to her brutal killing of everyone except for her I love that scene yep so um before we get to hear more and the last thing that happens with the elves is unfortunately Francesca succumbs to her hatred and her grief and she and the elves are going around Virginia. They're putting marks on the door and the babies, you know, get the marks on their chest as well. And I was horrified. I was like, why is not everything? Why isn't everyone trying to stop her? Philandrel is gone. He's like, we've got to do this for, you know, revenge. Um, and Gage is the only one who tries to stop her. So thank you, Gage, for being a moral <laughs> person. But no, she decides she's kind of like, I, I think she's crazed. And she's like, what has fucking been? Need not always be. And, you know, whooshes her arms up and boom, all these babies are dead. What a wonderful way to show that you are in the right. It's such a, I love that line. Like it's good, such a, it? it's such a good line to at least justify, if you will, like cause of doing something. But yeah, this scene, very biblical, very much reminded me, you know, plague of Egypt kind of thing of, 
God smiting the firstborn mm-hmm. uh, when the Israelites were enslaved in, uh, in Egypt. And I just, as it was happening, you could kind of see it coming. And I was like, oh man, are yeah. they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And then she does it and the, like, the women start shrieking and I'm like, oh God, <laughs> they, they, they just went there. And so maybe, maybe this is like the, the birth of that Scoia'tael I was talking about. Hopefully it is, but again, it'll be done differently, but yeah, it, um, it was disturbing. I think to say the least. Is that a book? Uh, is that happening in the books, Brett? Uh, no, that definitely does not. Fra- <laughs> Francesca is another big, pretty big change. Um, yeah, she's not, again, I don't know if we want to go that way, but she does not have a baby in the book. She is not pregnant. Like that's not a thing. That's something they've put in into this mm-hmm. for sure. Which again, it's, it's interesting. And uh, it takes it to a new direction that I'm actually getting excited to because it's new and I have no idea what they're going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the fact that finally the arrows were shown to be doing something bad. Because, yeah, I honestly yeah. I thought that they were portrayed too much as victims, and I didn't think it really made sense. It, w- it was also just got really beaten over our heads throughout the seasons of just so many, so often the show like elves getting literally beaten, or one like a daughter, a little girl gets separated from their mother on this wagon. It's just like, I got, right. like, we know, like, man, like, we get it, the elves are oppressed, and you're right, now they're actually like fighting back in a way that they had been doing, you know, throughout the books and throughout the stories as well, like long before. So no, that's a new angle that they're introducing that I can't wait to see for uh, season three or hope to see, I guess. I don't know if they'll actually go through with it. I assume they will. Yep. All right. So now we head to Kermorian and what is happening over there. So basically Siri has been possessed by Volkmir. And as we're going to go through this, I have a lot of questions. I don't know if it's just me being a bad watcher and not connecting the dots um, or if it's bad writing, but I don't know how many answers I'm going to have because I probably have <laughs> just as many. <laughs> so at this point, I figured out like the mechanics of like the, why certain things happen, but I just don't get, I don't think the motivations are lined up properly. But anyway, well, we'll talk about after you it. So Siri right now is possessed and her, her real self, I guess, is in a ball. So obviously that part is understandable. She's in a ball at um, Sintra before the fall and she sees everybody that she loves again. So clearly like it makes sense that she would want to stay in that world. Personally, if I were Siri, I would be like, okay, clearly this is not real. So I got to wake up somehow. Siri doesn't do that. I don't know. Did you think it was like weird that she accepted her, you know, out of rewinding of her life? Like what do you think she was thinking? Um, I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, it's very obvious that it's not real because everybody that she sees there has obviously been killed in the sack of Sintra. Um, but then I do kind of think she is meant to be quite a young girl, so she could maybe a bit more easily get caught up in all of it and just want to. This is obviously her her dream because I think is it Yennefer that says Volathmir will find your deepest want and desire and your whatever hurts your soul and stick her finger in it so obviously this is Siri's dream to be back having a normal life going to the ball you know seeing her family so obviously Volvmir is just really really playing on that and making it otherworldly and maybe it's hard to resist but I know what you mean surely there's a point where she thinks no this is so clearly not a real world yeah I think it's a comfort thing as well like I obviously cannot put myself in her shoes of having lost literally everything and then having it again, you know, I've spoken before of having very lucid dreams and those dreams that feel real 
And the thought of her being in one of those, even though maybe deep down she knows it's not, it's just Mm -hmm. too comforting to be back in that moment. And it's better than anything she's had. That's when the world made sense. You know, everything's been a lie and all of this. So I think it was just more coping of somebody who's younger. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is visually they portrayed the ball um, as having a lot more light and a lot more vivid colors than, than it was originally. Mm-hmm. So just another way of showing like what a positive experience it is for her. Yeah, I thought it was really cool how it, it I think because obviously it's a dream and we know as a viewer that it's a dream. And it shows you this scene of the ball, which we have seen before in the first series. And it's like really similar, but there's differences that make you think, oh, this is this is weird. Like even Calante says some of the same lines. The same guy comes up and asks her to dance and she immediately jumps up rather than, you know, she was a bit of a brat in the first series in this scene. I think she didn't want to dance. She was like in a bit of a huff. Um, but this obviously now she would give anything to be back in this life. So she like jumps the chance to get up and have a dance. And um, she's obviously so grateful to see Calante. So it's those differences, but it's also really familiar that find that I find a bit unsettling. Um, I also noticed there was uh, no iced in this scene. He was not in this scene. <laughs> the back of his head was in the scene. Is that, yeah. I, apparently the actor was, you know, had scheduling conflicts. Yeah, yeah. I thought maybe that was it. <laughs> It was funny. It was, it was pretty apparent. It was cute. <laughs> you know, even the witcher has to succumb to the vagaries of reality. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so now, so this kind of goes back and forth between like Siri and her dream and the witchers in real life trying to awaken her. So Yennefer is, um, you know, she's talking to to Carol and she says, you know, now I understand how special she is. And when I was teaching her, it felt wonderful. And I felt like I found what I was missing. And okay, so I was extremely upset at Yennefer's behavior. So I can understand she lost her magic. I actually think that part was good. You know, she, yeah. she only identified with her magic. She didn't really have anything going for her. She never learned how to love herself. She lost her magic. She will do anything to get it back. And she was literally at life's risk. Fine, I get it. But I feel like the way they handled it was not, she seemed very flip floppy. So it took her, like, she, well, this is last episode, but. She was all ready to betray her, and then, like, two seconds before she gets to the, you know, the monolith, she, like, decides she regrets it, and here she tries to tell girl, oh, I felt great teaching her, and now I see how special she is, so if she wouldn't have been special, it would have been okay to sacrifice her, and, like, if you wouldn't have felt great teaching her, then you wouldn't care about her life, like, I don't know how Yana first portrayed in the books, and honestly, like, to me, it's, like you said, it's a separate thing. I'm fine with Jennifer in the show being a selfish person, <laughs> but I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, she's like, I feel good teaching Jennifer, teaching Siri. So now I will take care of her because I feel good. It's just, it's, she's insanely selfish. And she barely apologizes for what she did to her. <laughs> yeah, this, this, and again, this, just the insight I have, I don't want to have to keep doing it, but this is like way different. Yen is instrumental in training Siri in the books, like through magic. And it's very much a to say a Yennefer show relationship, like where she calls her like Piglet. In the books, Yen calls Siri like quite a bit or often enough like ugly duckling. And kind of in a way you can look at it as almost like a belittling, but it's kind of her way of tough love, you know, training her to be, you know, hardened, if you will. And yeah, this was a very, very rough sticking point. The fact that Yen 
would ever consider like turning in or not being it. That's just so like that. Never, like never, never, never. Like from the get go, once Siri and Yen were kind of together, it was very much a protected relationship in a way that like Geralt and Siri was. So this was the thing too, that the whole season and as was going on, I was kind of like with you there, like kind of gritting, like, Oh, what are they going to do? And yeah, it just, it, it didn't really, it didn't really work for me either. Yes, I, I don't, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm okay, because I didn't read the books, I don't expect her, I didn't have a previous expectation of her, so, like, I didn't know, I, I, I got the sense from the advertisements and from the interviews, even before, you know, just from the, the show, that they were going to eventually become a family, so, and I, I personally am fine with building up the angst and the drama and the betrayal before, so that they have to get through that betrayal in order to become a family, but I feel like it wasn't well done, I feel like the, the, the switch from Jennifer being ready to sacrifice her to regretting that choice was so fast. She didn't build up her regret. I didn't feel like she was that conflicted. Like when I watched it again, I, I paid careful attention to see if the end of her looked conflicted because the first time I had not seen it, like when she went to Melatelli and she met, you know, um, she saw that Siri was Geralt's child surprise. I barely saw that she registered that and that she was mm-hmm. like, oh shoot, like I have to now, you know, that's the girl and she, you know, I'm gonna have to portray Geralt now. Um, I don't know if it was, it just wasn't emphasized enough that she felt conflicted over it. Her regret wasn't apparent. The fact that she's changed her mind five minutes before didn't make sense. And then suddenly she's all, oh, Garrett, Siri, I'm going to protect you and I have to teach you. The switch was so fast and I didn't feel it was, it was built up. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think when they first meet, there was no, there is that moment where she goes, she's your child surprise. But then I agree, there could have been a bit more back and forth with her possibly rather than she kind of immediately takes her away right she takes her through the portal um so yeah I agree there was never a moment where I thought Yen's gonna change her mind here she's not gonna actually take her until the very end no I that's completely fair and I don't I think that's honestly the biggest problem with the show at least for me is the whole point of the novels is it is Geralt, Siri, and Yennefer. Like it's that family, and it's that relationship. Siri's the main character. It's Siri. It's not. It's not Geralt. It's Siri's story, I should say. And to hit up on all of that, and in the show, I don't know if it's because it's only eight episodes. I don't know if it's only eight episodes because they don't want to do it to ten. If it's $100 million and someone at Netflix is like, we're not giving you $100 million to have people talk in rooms. We need monsters. We need to market it as Henry Cavill being Witcher Superman. I don't know what it is, but you're exactly right that we're not feeling this. There's no weight of this because it's too much. Go, 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 go. And there's not enough of them actually being together and cultivating those relationships. And it got better this season, no question. But it's still to the point at the end of this season, like how close really are these characters? And that would have to be from someone that doesn't know what they're supposed to be. And so y'all, y'all would be able to answer that, you know, better, especially someone who was only watched the show. And I wonder if it has hit on it as much as I think it should have. Yeah. I mean, I, the Geralt and Super relationship like that, I can see that they're close. Geralt and Yen, honestly, last season, um, I only, I read online that they apparently had interacted more than what we saw on screen. I was like, really? 
uh, I couldn't tell. <laughs> like, and then when I watched it again, there was one throwaway line where it's like, oh, I can't, you know, I, I can't stop seeing you when they first see each other in the, the inn before the dragon quest. So I guess that's supposed to be a hint that they saw each other throughout the decades. But I, I only like deduced that they saw each other at the, you know, when she tried to check the gym and during the dragon quest. So I, I don't even understand why Geralt and Yen like each other so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a debated thing. And but I mean, a big thing also is like Geralt, I know, and they, they kind of hit on this and it was an earlier episode when Geralt leaves to go speak to Istrid and at Sintra and they go to the monoliths and Ciri's upset because she didn't get to go. And like so many times, like Geralt just leaving, I don't know, I, maybe I'm just being too harsh on it. But like I said, the crux of everything is everything Geralt does is because Ciri is it. And I just have not bought in that they're that it's that it's, that it's that close i just don't think they've had enough time together with so much else going on like i said i've enjoyed the expansion of nilfgaard but anything you expand on that end or any monster fight you show or whatever is taking time away from the others and i just i don't know it just it just didn't really work for me but maybe i'm just being too harsh on it yeah i always forget as well like for the first series or the first season we didn't have Geralt and siri together at all so in the earlier parts of season two, you've maybe only had one or two episodes together. So by the end of the, by the end of this series, they've only had, you know, we've only seen them on screen together, you know, maximum of eight, eight episodes. So some of the relationship might end up feeling rushed if there's so much action in between and we don't have enough just sitting, having conversations, getting to know each other even because they are only just getting to know each other. Um, I did yeah I I know what you mean I loved the I did love the development of Geralt and Siri. Geralt and Yennefer yeah is still kind of questionable especially now they've got this big distrust because of what Yennefer did so I don't know how that's going to go forward because he says in the end of the episode I don't forgive you <laughs> but now he just wants her around for a Siri because he knows that she's going to be the best person to teach Siri. Um so I'm quite interested to see how that will continue to to develop and then I mean, my only experience of Yennefer and Ciri is from the game, from Witcher 3. And she's very motherly towards Ciri in Witcher 3. She would do anything for Ciri in Witcher 3. Um, And by the end of this series, she is like that as well. But it is so out of nowhere after wanting to essentially sacrifice her. So, yeah, yeah, it's a bit, yeah, I I get what you mean, why, why you don't really buy it because it does just seem a bit it's like within one episode it's just changed her mind well so much and you like if there's an original sin of the series it's going to be the fact that they cut out Geralt's and Ciri in Brokilon and if Mm. you read the short stories you know what it is and they cut that out and it's the biggest question mark and it still hasn't been answered and it still just cannot be answered like it's unfathomable that they did it. I still can't believe it. I've accepted it, but I still, as you bring it up, you're bringing up these old, these, I don't know, these, I'm sorry. Oh, you tear off these <laughs> band-aids of it. Because again, like if you're going to read, read two things in the short stories in the second short story, sort of destiny, if you want to understand Geralt and Siri, and that's the first one sort of destiny. And then something more, it kind of goes together. It's the crux of them meeting. It's the crux of Geralt thinking he let Siri go away and then realizing, Oh my God, I messed up and then gets her back at the end. That's the biggest thing to understand it. And they cut that out. And I just don't understand why. 
For Geralt and Yennefer, it's the short story, A Shard of Ice. It's my favorite short story. It's basically all about them. It's the only one with Istrid in it. It's amazing. And they didn't adapt it. I I don't know really why they didn't, because Istrid is such a bigger character in the show, and I love it. It's a great actor. It's a great character. Everything is there for them to do it, and they didn't do it. And like this was the biggest thing about Geralt and Yennefer, about their problems that they had, about how, oh, my God, they both know, if you will, they are meant for each other. But going back to what, like, Bill and Trent Mirth said, that nothing's going to come of it, they understand that they can't be together. Excuse <clears throat> me. They understand they can't be together. And Geralt realizes he can't give Yen what she wants. And they let go. It's, it's just amazing. So read those to really understand what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And it, again, I just, there's so much. I just don't get why that could not have been in the show. They could have done it. It fits with everything they've done. I just don't understand it. And it would be a question that I would ask the showrunner. Like, why? Not being like, you know, like, why aren't you doing this? I would just genuinely, genuinely want to know the creative process behind putting in like a grain of truth, which is a great episode and a great short story, but has nothing, absolutely nothing to do mm-hmm. with this overarching story. And in the short story series, not even there in the original one. And so to include that, but not something else, the only thing I could think of is monster, monster yeah. fight, monster fight, because a shard of ice doesn't have a monster fight. And something more in the Brooklyn and all that, they, they actually, that one kind of does. That would actually have been cool because that's a big, uh, I can't remember what it was called, uh, Eager and some, I don't know, something like that. But it's stuff like that. I just don't get it. But those are the short stories. Read those. Go Google a PDF of Sword of Destiny. They're out there. Like, read it. You will really understand a bit more of why certain things should at least happen or at least just better characterization. So it sounds like those stories at this point in the series can't be done right like we've kind of moved past that in the timeline they the the whole point of a shard of ice was Geralt and Yennefer are together at this town I think it is Gors Velen I want to say Gors Velen was in the show but I don't know if it was in for some reason that six in my head it might not have been it probably doesn't even matter they're together Yen basically is cheating on Geralt with Istrid like they're <laughs> together and she's with them Geralt's like what the hell and Yen's like you don't you don't provide you're not trying to be with me you need to give me what i want she's trying to make have him make his move or whatever where Geralt knows what he has to do like say i love you do all that but he can't do it and he says i can't do it and then he goes to fight istrid <laughs> to have this like mono mono like macho fight and while they're about to fight or as they're about to fight they basically yen sends these kestrels to them with their answers and basically she says you know bollocks to both of you i'm out <laughs> And Geralt, like, kind of doesn't smile, but he leaves, and Istra's, like, screaming at him, like, hey, stand and fight. Because Istra was going to fight him without magic, knowing he was going to die. So Istra was literally going to die fighting for his woman. It's very much this toxic. Exactly. It's very much this, like, awesome, like, comment, if you will, on, like, even, like, a toxic masculinity thing of these two that are going to fight for this woman. And the woman's just like, I'm out. (laughs) And it's very gray, because, like I said, Yen isn't, like, the icon in this she was cheating on Geralt like she's not treating Geralt well but Geralt knows I love this woman but I can't give her what she wants and he says it and that's when they like break up if you will and go away and I think that's the last time they see each other and where the dear friend comes from if I remember that correctly and it's just so great has some wild hunt background to the queen of winter the winter queen 
And it's they, they I thought they were gonna do it when, when Istrid came back too. I don't know if they can mm-hmm. do that now because Istrid and Geralt don't really seem at odds. Like maybe if they were at odds, it could be, but Geralt also didn't know that Yen was alive. So maybe when they're all back together next season, maybe they can do it. I don't think it would work as well because Istrid's such a bigger character and it's not as much, but you know, they've introduced the wild hunt, they can get all that. I don't know. They probably won't do it, but I it's just one of my favorites. That would be cool to see, I think. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was interesting because I don't know how it's like in the books. I feel like Gerald and Yen have a bit of a toxic relationship in, in the show, um, especially towards the end where I'm wondering, like, why in the world would Gerald even let this woman be around Siri? I would be like, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, okay, I'm not a violent person, so I probably wouldn't kill her. But my mind would say to kill her, but I would definitely be like, I've never looked, seen your face again in my life, Jennifer. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, a big thing was Tris goes to care more and to help Siri. Tris realizes, holy shit. Oh, sorry, I should, I don't know if I can cut or not. She realizes, oh man, like we need more help. We need someone more powerful. And they're like, Yen, you got to do Yen. You got to get Yen. And Gerald's like, oh man. And that's mm-hmm. when he writes this letter that, dear friend, which of course, Yen's like, oh, dear friend, is that what we are? And so <laughs> they have this antagonistic. But that's what it comes back. And then, you know, they go to, to Malitli and then Yen starts training and then you get that relationship. And so, yeah, you're right. You know, the whole, oh, Team Tris, Team Yen and all that. It's okay to be like, how about just none? How about Yen is very protective of Siri? She's a very motherly to Siri and you have that relationship. And, you know, I don't want to say it's like Gerald has divorced dad energy, but... <laughs> But it could just be one of those, hey, they've got this, you know, it's a family, but it's not husband and wife loving because, yes, they are. Be- Yen is beyond flawed trauma. You want to discuss trauma? I know you mentioned you said your minor was psychology. I'm so, your major. Okay, there you go. I mean, you're talking about trauma, very traumatic. Like the <laughs> stuff that they put in the show is what they happened in the books with like the, the suicide attempts and just the abuse as a child and giving away and the hunchback and all that. You know, Geralt's a hundred year old monster slayer and this daughter. So yeah, it's not an easy, Hey, look, everything's great. We're all, you know, together. And yeah, it's, it's, it's okay to be, how about team? Everybody just kind of help Siri. <laughs> just co-parent. <laughs> there you go. So what you said about Jen and her characterization, that that's why actually contrary to what a lot of people said, um, a lot of people were upset about. I didn't mind the, the fact that she was, she lost her magic instead of being blinded at sudden and that she wanted, and that she was desperate because, and, and desperate enough to betray this unknown girl because Siri, uh, sorry, again, like you said, she went through crazy trauma. She was not loved as a child. She was abused as a child. She was, I mean, for someone to not receive love from their parental figures, it's basically, it's extremely destructive. It's very hard to regain yourself after that. And she never had a sense of self. And, you know, Istra told her that way back. Um, way back when, you know, they were in Aratusa, he said, you know, power is not going to make you happy. Like nothing's going to make you happy. And she kept using, the only thing that really went for her in her life was her power. That was kind of the, the only way that she felt like she was in control because she had been out of control her whole life as a piglet and, you know, in Aratusa as a student. And she thought that power would make her happy, which it didn't. So at some point she this part I also didn't get. She somehow felt being a parent would make her happy, which I did not understand her motivation for that at all. But in any case, I understood that when her power was stripped away from her, her sense of identity was gone and she didn't know what to do with herself. So that I understood. Um, and I understood why it would make her so desperate. But 
the switch switching back and forth that one that didn't work anyway so getting back into into the story and what happened um so siri is you know killing all these witchers in their beds which i saw someone put this line on reddit where at some point Bessemer said you know none of us have ever died in our beds yeah and yeah so, <laughs> well first time for everything <laughs> yeah so she kills everyone and you know um when Geralt comes in he's like oh we're you know what happened and how did you get up, get away and she's like oh i just screamed and so basically Geralt realizes no this is not actually siri um i was a bit confused by that like what was volathmir's plan like was she planning on pretending to be siri and then like what was i didn't get anything about her plan. So I know, you know, we learn over time, girl says, okay, well, the air is a demon coming out another realm and she wants to go back to her home. But I don't understand what. Okay, so she told, she feeds on pain. So that's why she wanted, you know, the maybe she fed on the pain of the elves being killed. Ah, I didn't understand anything about Volsmere's plan. Like she said, she wanted the elves to get together with Nilfgaard and then she wanted Siri bought to the black door. But then what? And how was that going to get her home? Like, I feel like she, if she would have wanted to go home, she could have said, you know, okay, so she felt Siri had the power. Siri, cast a spell and take me home. I didn't understand how she thought she was going to get what she wanted. But did you understand? I'm just going to nod. I'm just going <laughs> to nod. Uh, no, no, I mean, it was through the monolith, right? Like the, the witcher, the monolith in Kaer Morin, isn't that how she got back? Yeah, so yeah. I think Maya, I don't know. So Geralt says at the end that he thinks that the monoliths are actually portals to these other spheres. And the one in Kaer Morhen, coincidentally, is the one where Volathmir yeah. comes from. And I can't remember how, like, I've, I haven't watched episode seven um, in a wee while. So I can't remember how Volathmir ends up with Siri at Kaer Morhen. It must happen at the end of episode seven. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I understand the confusion because I don't understand why she then went on the killing spree, like, unless she's just an evil demon and that's her thing, um, go off. Uh, so, you know, cause she obviously opens the monolith and then she doesn't go through it until Yen, Yen starts like uh, saying some sort of incantation and then she comes out of Siri and they all go through the portal. Yeah, I, I'm just as confused. But I, because it's weird for me because I watched this episode today just to remind myself and I really enjoyed the whole thing. But there was moments where I was like, why is this happening? What's the Amber got to do with it? Why is Yaskir under the table? <laughs> like all these questions. Oh, okay. All right. That's, <laughs> yeah, I'll just, I'll just get that. I'll go to that part right there. Yaskier, oh God. okay, I know I'm trying. I'm trying to gather myself because, like I said, you have to be as positive as possible. Yaskier in this scene, everything involving him, everything with the amber, the way it goes down, is what I absolutely despise. If all media post Marvel, post MCU, where it's we get, we got to have comedy, we we got to have a quip in there, we got to have comically, we got to have somebody in there, and it's like you do realize. That this is Siri, the crux of this story, in Kermorin, with Geralt, with Vesemir, with all the Witchers, and she's literally killing them, and they're having to decide whether to kill her. Vesemir mm. is trying to kill her, while Geralt is trying to hold her off and hold the Witchers off. This is an incredibly tense moment. You don't 
need comic relief. It's okay. If people aren't interested in it, they're not going to be interested in it. But you don't need to jangle the keys to keep. <laughs> anyway, that's my number one thing about Netflix does not trust this audience to have a straightforward story that even now they have the big monster fight, culmination of everything. They throw this in there. I'm trying, I'm, I'm getting it because I just, oh, it drives, I, it drives me crazy. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Please, for the love of God, I cannot wait. And so I'm not going to bash on Marvel because I don't want to get all in that. But I just, <laughs> I absolutely hate that these are the lessons that was taken from it. And I, I hated the scene. I want to pay somebody to edit Yaskier out <laughs> of the scene so I could like watch it again. And I'm sorry for going on that rant. <laughs> Uh, and I have more to add. So the first time he walks in, he's like, oh, Gerald, Gerald, I have yes. to go for you. So, okay, that's the comic relief part, right? But then, and then he just stops. He just and then stops. Like five minutes later, he decides, oh, now I have to deliver the stone. And he crawls under the table, you know, at great danger to himself to deliver the stone. Like, why couldn't you just- Yen tells him how important it is to get this to Gerald, right? Like, it's so important. And he has their attention. And he's just like, oh, you look busy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like- <laughs> Like it's one thing if he goes in there and it's in the middle of a fight and he can't get Geralt's attention, yeah. but literally has it. And yet, uh, Yen is just like, yes, get him this. This is the most important thing. And he just said, oh my God. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I didn't get why it was that important either. Okay. So my other complaint with Duffin's episode, everything was on the nose. She tells him the stone is to right the wrongs. Obviously it's referring to her because she did a lot of wrong things. And then then there's this whole part where Geralt realizes that don't hold off the ear feeds on hate. Now I happen to be a you sucker for the theme of love is the key to everything. It's my personal philosophy in life. I really think that's the key to world peace, blah, blah, blah. But to say it outright, how yeah. a character say that is so cheesy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we're smart. Like, okay, I've been reading, yeah. um, Robert McKee has a book called Story. I love that. It's all about how to write stories. And he says that when human beings experience life, Nothing is presented to us black and white. We have to look at the events that happen around us. We have to make the connections and we derive the, the messages and the meanings. And when a story is well-written on screen or in book, the audience does the same thing. It's as though we're living life. We see a series of events and we make the connections. And he says the audience is smart enough to mm -hmm. pull the meaning from what you're giving it. And with what happened in this episode, with the characters just saying the message, that was just saying, okay, like we're dumb. We're not smart enough to get what's going on. Like we know, you don't have to tell us. We figured it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so no, a big, to, go on ahead. I was gonna say, I spent a couple of years actually trying to write for TV and like doing that like full-time, if you will, like all these scripts and early on, especially when you give it to someone, cause I knew somebody that was involved with like an NBC show and she, you know, gratefully gave me a bunch of like really good notes. Like the number one thing always, always, always is, too much exposition, too on the nose, like you have to deliver it in certain ways. And so you're right. Whenever you see this in these high budget shows, it just really sticks out to me that it, that it's in there like that. Cause you're right. It's so on the nose and it's so just like beats you over the head of it. that I just kind of wonder how it does kind of slip in and can kind of like distract in that way, but it might just be for us kind of like nerds that might know that maybe other people didn't realize it as much. <laughs> And yeah. that in comparison to we're we're kind of like second guessing what Volathmir's entire intentions are or what her plan is. We need that a little bit clearer, I think. I need that bashed yeah. over my head yeah. a bit more. Maybe. Compared well, to like the obvious things that like you're saying. 
So actually, I think what you're saying is only confusing things more because is her plan to go home through mm-hmm. Magic Games Siri, or is her plan to feed on hate and get strong enough to go home herself? Like that part is not quite clear. Yeah. I mean, I guess they basically said it was her way to get back and then to open up this can of worms. I didn't get this, but I guess I kept seeing enough things about it. I guess she's part of the wild hunt because when they go back and I didn't put this together, she, I guess you can say she appreciates or whatever it is into that writer. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know, I didn't put together that that was her. I thought that was just one of the spectral writers coming into form before us, like a cool shot. But I guess that was her taking her place with the wild hunt. Yeah, that's what I picked up as well. Like she then transformed back into one of them. So is she like the leader of the wild hunt or? Well, I mean, the uh, I, uh, I, maybe maybe in the show, because the leader of the wild hunt is the guy that was there talking, you know, sorry, yeah. I daughter of chaos. I, was was it, I, I didn't know if it was her talking or if it was someone else talking. No, that's, that should be the guy, the main guy that we could only see part of his face. I think the, the helmet covered like the top part of his face. Uh, that should be that guy who they didn't name yet. But yeah, that would be the wild hunt, which was my favorite part of the episode. So to be that positive, that part right there was one of those. Did you ever see the movie Jurassic World? No, but my husband did. And he told me, he was like, oh, look, the bull's shaking, the bull's shaking. He's like, there's going to be a T-Rex coming out of the... Out of the <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, see, that was Jurassic Park. Oh, Park, sorry. What I meant, Jurassic <laughs> World was the one when they rebooted it that came out. And it's one of those, I love the, well, I love all the Jurassic Park movies. They came out when I was like nine and I love dinosaurs, but Jurassic World was not a good movie. And you're sitting there at the end and you're just like, oh man, this just isn't very good. But at the end has this like unbelievable dinosaur fight of like the T-Rexes and the Raptors. And then this other thing comes out of the ocean. And Mm. in that moment, you're just like, holy, you know, holy smoke, this is, this is great. And it kind of covers up all these things that you were just complaining about. Well, that was me with the wild hunt when mm-hmm. they start talking about starry eyed daughter of chaos, you know, join us. And I'm like, okay, now you're getting me going and I can forgive all that other stuff. I just complained about. <laughs> That's nice. Okay. So um, I have another, another thing to talk about, which relates actually to another thing that fans I know have been very, very upset about Eskel's death. So here's what I thought the purpose of Eskel's death was and how I thought it was going to play out in this episode and how I was disappointed. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I didn't know Eskel. I didn't know that, you know, apparently he's not such a big character in books, but more in the, in the movies. Anyway, so they uh, killed him off. So I thought that the purpose of that was to show us that Geralt is willing to kill even those he loves to protect others, right? Because he killed Eskel, even though he was his really good friend, to protect Vesemir. So I thought, and then right afterwards, Siri goes and talks, um, and sorry, that comes right after the whole part where um, Siri talks to him in the forest after episode one, the Green of Truth, and she feels like a monster, and Verena tells her he'll come for you too, you're also a monster, and she asks him, she's like, oh, sometimes I feel like I want to burn the whole world down, and, you know, I thought that was a theme that they were building up nicely, that Siri feels like she does things out of her control, she destroys things, she feels bad about it, and I thought it was building up to a point where she fears that Geralt will kill her because of things that she does, and I thought that was the purpose of killing Eskel, even though Geralt loves Eskel, he will do it to do the right thing. So I thought when we came to this episode, that Geralt would be like, hey, Ciri's possessed. She's going to kill everyone. I have no choice. I have to kill her. I thought that was the purpose of killing Eskel way back in the beginning. And Bessemir says that instead. And Geralt's like, no, we have to you know, try to get her out. 
okay, willing to accept it. He's her dad. He's going to try to, you know, get her out. Somehow, I didn't really get his plan. Just, like, talk to her. Whatever. But then, Vesemir, so he's like, trust me, you know, let's try to get her out. And there's this fight, and, you know, she just kills more and more witchers with the, you know, the, the creatures coming out. And then Vesemir finally does, you know, stab her. But, first of all, he doesn't even stab her mortally. Like, why doesn't he stab her in the throat? Why does he stab her in the side? I didn't get that. Like, he's not dumb. He's an experienced fighter. And then, you know, he feels bad about it, like, five seconds later. To me, it was inconsistent. It was like, it should, Bessemer should have been right away. You know, we have to do the right thing. We have to kill her. We have to, you know, preserve the rest of everyone's lives. And, and then but I just felt like he was also flip-flopping back and forth. Like, oh, I feel bad. I'm sorry. And then when he felt sorry, he wasn't even that dramatic about it either. But I just felt like it wasn't, there wasn't enough consistency and there wasn't, like, oomph or drama. Like, it was trying to be dramatic, but it just didn't succeed. Yeah, there was a lot of back and forth with Vesemir in this episode, and it's exactly what you're saying. Um, it's the comparisons to Eskel, and he says to Geralt, I was, you know, I was traumatized when you had to kill Eskel, but it was the right thing to do, and I understood why he did it. And that's what he wants to do with Siri as well. But I, yeah, and I sort of feel like, you know, Geralt, you know, are you going to listen to this? Because this is exactly what you've done to Vesemir. And now you're expecting him to, you know, listen to you in this situation. Um, and then throughout the scene, obviously, Vesemir sees essentially his his children, his his um, witcher kids getting like brutally mashed up by these monsters. And it's not pretty like it's not like they're just it's not a pretty death. Like they're getting their heads smashed in. Oh, it's awful. It's really, really bad. And he obviously finds it more increasingly difficult to support Siri through that but there is a lot of back and forth isn't there so at one point he agrees to Geralt then he helps him with the ear den then he goes and stabs her then he comes back and it's like yeah it's it must be I, I mean nobody will ever know what it's like to be in that situation I guess but I know what you mean it's not consistent and uh to be fair to be fair it was one of my like his his sort of relationship with Geralt in this episode was one of my favorite things to watch because I like seeing the dynamic between them change and um, them trying to convince each other. And I like die a little bit inside every time he calls him wolf. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, I don't, I guess maybe if we would have had it from his perspective, maybe we could have seen it. Cause yeah, it did kind of seem whatever was needed at the time. Vesemir might've done, mm-hmm. but I do like uh, Mindy that you brought up the whole thing of like Eskel and him having to do that and maybe eventually having to kill Siri or having to like learn from it in that way. But I just think with Eskel, the whole thing was, it just wasn't enough time. We were just told how close they were. We didn't actually get yeah. to see it. And so like when that, because we actually just recorded that episode yesterday uh, and it came out today. So that one's kind of fresh on our minds. Yeah. And yeah, that was just something there that I think also there just wasn't enough time to do it. Like maybe if they had an episode fully and then, from the first time we see Eskel, he's infected or whatever you want to call it. So he's never really what he's supposed to be is a jerk from the beginning. And so when he died, it's just like, oh, okay, the the jerk is dead. Who cares? You know, and then he's supposed to be so tight. But yeah, the the Vesemir Siri was another as I'm watching him when he stabbed her. I was all over the this whole scene just had me like all over the place. It was yeah. very, very like technically it was amazing. And like you said, we get all the signs, like everyone's doing Yurden and everything's flying around. Like that part visually was amazing though. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, visually this this episode and there was another episode where they're at um, Melitale and they do a fight scene there. Um, like insane. Like my, I was literally watching, my eyes were like, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. Like it looks incredible. And uh, yeah, I think especially even like the witchers, like I love um, the effect they have when they take their elixir and they get the black eyes and like their whole face goes pale. I think that looks really great, especially when all of them suddenly turn around to Yaskir. I thought that was a really good <laughs> moment where you see all of them. And uh, yeah, I mean, the effects are stunning. Yeah, that's something I always say, you know, um, I guess we're we're kind of, as experienced movie watchers, we're kind of um, spoiled, you know, but like it takes a lot to build the world and, you know, just everything, the costumes and the wigs and the makeup and the prosthetics and and the fight choreography, like it's a ton of effort to make this very entertaining content. So always going to show appreciation for that. So let's see, what else? Um, uh, okay, so there were a couple of lines. What I did find interesting and I thought was well done was that Siri, when she was possessed by Valkmeir, her reactions were kind of dual. They were, you know, she was speaking for Valkmeir, but there was a sense where you could also see that the real Siri was reacting. I thought that was well done. It was kind of like a balance and Siri showed, like the actress Freya showed that with like these slight facial expressions. I thought that was good. And like one of the, the throwaways where I thought like it was both Valkmeir and Siri was both Meir is standing, this is when Geralt first comes across her, and he's like, oh, you don't want to escape. She's standing in front of the tree, the medallion tree, and she says, you know, so many people were devoured by this hellish continent. So you can tell that's both Meir speaking, like, I want to go home, like, I don't like this continent. <laughs> and um, uh, you want to, do you want to say something? Oh, me? Yeah. No, oh, okay. no, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. And then um, another thing, another question I had was, at that scene, Daryl says, you know, what do you want? Okay, let's just release her and then you can have me. So I didn't quite understand what he meant by that. Like, you know, you can kill me and then my death will accomplish what? Or you can possess me, which also I don't see how possessing Geralt is a good outcome because he can also be used as a, you know, vicious tool. I don't know. Did you, did you make sense of that? I think it's just uh, yeah. self-sacrifice. Mm. Just I can handle it more than her. She's not as capable. I think it's just kind of something like that. Yeah, I think he he was off definitely just. I think at this point they don't realize that she wants Siri specifically because she'll be able to get home, and he's offered himself as a vessel, which he obviously yeah, what you said, Brett. He'll he thinks that he'll be able to he'll handle it better than Siri can. Yeah, because they don't they know that she's obviously special at this time, like the elder blood and all that. But I guess they still don't. They still don't know exactly what it is, and Geralt might just be saying, as powerful as he is, he knows she is ultimately able are more able to be powerful i guess in yeah. that i guess it has the ability to be more powerful yeah and also maybe more easily manipulated so it's like a double-edged sword hmm. maybe he was counting on the other witches to kill him and like he was like okay i'm fine yeah. being dead but siri be free and then they'll kill me mm -hmm. i don't know yeah um another thing that, that i thought was confusing slash interesting was so Valthmeir is, you know, supposed to be telling that, like, whoever she talks to, like, their deepest desires and their fears, right? Especially when she talks to, like, Fringilla and Francesca earlier. So at some point, she tells Geralt when, when you know, regarding Vesemir, she tells him, um, what's she telling him? She says, oh, show him you don't need him anymore. But I didn't think that was an issue that Geralt had. Like, it, it was never certainly brought up in the show. 
like, you know, everything else she told Francesca and Frangela were, were stuff that was, you know, it was in their hearts. But Gerlis has never stated any sort of conflict with Vesemir where he feels the need to be, you know, independent of him. Hmm. Uh, just, just my issues. <laughs> yeah. I no, no, I, I think that's, that's, that's fair. That's kind of, yeah. And I guess that just goes back to the crux of, I guess it just wasn't fully fleshed out maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I think it comes down to, like we said earlier, like maybe not having enough time to fully understand what the characters are going through. Is eight episodes enough? I mean, I'm be- maybe I'm being greedy. I would like 10 episodes. <laughs> it might make it a bit easier to get a bit more into these kind of relationships and wants and desires between each of the characters. Well, yeah. Cause like I said, they're, they're very ambitious with what they're doing, which is great, but to do everything they're wanting to do in eight, eight episodes, it's got to be pretty darn tight and special. And yeah, like when you cut certain things out, you have to put in others. And some of the stuff that we needed, I think, to hit these parts, you know, to make this action and conflict really land, I just, it just weren't in there. There just wasn't enough of it. Yeah. One line that, there's another line that both of your says that actually does, I think, reflect nicely about the, the struggles that, go, like, Daryl's inner struggles when, um, Siri reunites with her parents. So, you know, in the dream, she's reuniting with her parents, which is obviously as someone who grew up without parents, it's probably very, very meaningful for her. And Vol's in the ear, meanwhile, is telling Geralt, you know, she doesn't want to be here. She isn't yours, which I do think does reflect Geralt's unspoken fear that he isn't doing a good job as a father and he isn't providing what he needs to her. So that that line was, I thought, really good and well well placed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I liked that when we get to see... Uh... The parents as well it's a a good chance for them to g- give us a good look at uh series dad's face so we re- <laughs> so we remember him because <laughs> yeah. if, if we didn't have that i guess we wouldn't the the big reveal at the end yeah. would not be as impactful yeah they had to insert that in now yeah <laughs> did you guys notice that only Cavetta faded away because i didn't yeah think- yeah so like e- so everybody in the scene fades away don't they like everybody who's dead but then I didn't notice it the first time I watched it. And then I'm sure I think yeah. we, Brett and I spoke to somebody and they mentioned it and I was like, oh yeah, he's the only one that doesn't like disintegrate, which is another little, little Easter egg for you. Yeah, that was, that was pretty cool uh, to put in. That was very well done. I did not notice it either, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was well done. Yeah. And visually also I thought it was fantastic. I personally actually was so happy to see Mausak. Mausak was one of my favorite characters. Oh. I was so sad when he died. <laughs> Yeah, and again, just to throw that in there, he he doesn't die in the books. Like, they don't, that doesn't happen. That was another thing that's just why. Like, why? I don't, really weird. The whole, the, oof, yeah, the Doppler thing with Malsec was really weird on a number of levels. But yeah, he mm-hmm. um he doesn't, he actually comes back, yeah, on The Witcher 3 under a different name. But yeah. yeah he, he comes back he in the books? Uh, I do not believe that he does. No, mm-hmm. I think he's gone... I think that's pretty much it. Like he's not, he's in the, um, he's in the short stories. And then, yeah, I don't think he's ever in anything else again. Does he get killed or he just, no, he just, he just disappears and they never say. (laughs) And that's why I think the Witcher three brought him back. (laughs) They put, he's from Skellige. So they threw him in Skellige and yeah, it's just one of those. I don't think Sapkowski just cared enough to reveal what happened to him. Cause I don't even think he's ever mentioned again. I don't think Siri ever talks about it. Maybe it could be one of those one-time things. But I, yeah, he he's there. He's big for like raising her, and then uh, he just kind of goes away. 
okay i guess i guess killing him off then is well not- and that's the thing <laughs> killing, and that's exactly it like killing him is perfectly fine because he doesn't ever really come back it's just one of those oh i think everyone just enjoyed him like you said enjoyed his character enjoyed yeah, the actor portraying him i thought he was one of the the first people the only people who was like truly good he hadn't done anything terrible that we know yeah. of at least <laughs> and he also seemed to really care for siri which yeah. we're going to find out or as we see here you know, Siri's like the ultimate MacGuffin for everybody else. Everybody wants to, you know, get her and use her. And yeah, somebody that literally raised her as a from a baby. Uh, it was nice to see that. And then, yeah, very unfortunate for him to get Dopplerized or whatever it was. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how they killed him. Oh, they took his like soul. I don't remember. Or something no, he, like that. he, he, he knifed him. Oh, um, that's right. Doppler the, knifed him. the Doppler knifed him. That's right. But, you know, it was interesting because in, even in her dream state, Siri did ask Nausak, you know, can you tell me about my bloodline? Why didn't anyone tell me? So she's kind of like half present, half sentient in her dream. And, and that's kind of like what, what this episode is trying to do, which again, I don't know if I think it's the greatest strategy, but Geralt kept, you know, at some point they stopped fighting right after he stabbed her and they're all trying to like, you know, Siri, come back, come back home. And um to me, it felt a little off, like it felt a little magic-y. Okay, I know it's a fantasy series, but like, <laughs> I felt, yeah. I felt wishful, like wishful thinking. It's more of the like, love will solve everything. And like, yes, I happened, I think that's a great thing, but it was too, it didn't feel earned that, sorry, that all. just you okay yeah sorry i guess it's acid reflux i don't know hold on (laughs) we have to cut this out you're good my voice comes back i'll take a drink Um, i've been drinking non-stop otherwise my throat will just seize up yeah i've been having to mute it um yeah never had it before so anyway yeah to me it just felt a little bit like okay let's you know let's make a wish and our wish will come true Let's mm. just call for Siri and she'll come back to us. It's it's a it's a nice theme of like, okay, you know, where do does her love lie? And like, you know, will love conquer it all? But it just seemed too easy that after all this fighting, like that's what happened. And yeah, I get that they had to first get rid of the basilisks before they could, you know, sit there and try to get her back to them. But it also felt like they should have done that before. Mm, I don't know. Did it, but eventually maybe- it does. Right, I was gonna say, did it was it maybe like Siri kind of choosing to go back, like her choosing to like get out of that world? Maybe, like when she you talking about like when like the vision, right? When she's like leaving. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Maybe assuming we're talking about the same one, I thought it was more or less Siri kind of letting go of that world and maybe going back to the world that's real that she kind of has to do. Maybe like almost a sense of duty. Yeah, like, you know this one is gone it feels good it's great it's almost in a way the relationship i kind of have with nostalgia that it is i love going back to old things and remembering old things but it's bad for me because you, it's gone it's not real anymore like memories aren't real the world 10 years ago that we lived in 20 years ago whatever it was it's a fantasy world and if you live in that instead of the present and preparing for the future then you're never going to like to me in a way even be content much less happy or something like that and mm-hmm. so maybe in that right there again maybe i'm just putting my own or projecting my own thing onto it it was her finally realizing okay this is it this is gone i have a family now i have people i care about i need to go back and help them or 
you mm-hmm. know, at least do something in that world. Yeah, it's like really hitting on like one of, well, what to me is like one of the main themes of The Witcher, which is sort of family, not necessarily by blood, but like the family that you choose and family that you end up with. And this is her choosing to leave her. Well, even though she knows it's not real at this point, but, you know, she's got this dream world with her real parents for the first time, probably ever, because I think they, well, they died. What she thinks she, they, 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 that they died when she was very young. So she's probably never had a moment like this with them. But she she can hear Geralt and Vesmir and everyone else, you know, inviting her back and telling her that she's needed. And she probably feels good that she feels needed by a group of people who she considers to be a family now. And and then I like when she gets back and she's sort of like giving Lambert a little bit of stick. And uh, I, 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 we spoke about this yesterday, but we didn't really like Lambert that much. But then by the end of it, I do kind of like the relationship that he and Siri have got together. Uh, sort of like a big brother little sister type thing um but yeah I think that that's like one of my favorite themes in the whole thing is like the family you choose mm-hmm. yeah and Gerald says it speaking of it's probably also two on the nose but he says explicitly you know the parents are like you belong with us and he says in the real world he's like oh, you belong with us it's not perfect but it's real and again yeah. it's yeah. very like like we could figure that out like you don't have to tell us mm-hmm. but okay it wasn't terrible so yeah, so Siri awakens, and then they have this whole dramatic ending where, again, I didn't quite get how this all happened, but Gerald says, you know, oh, we need to send Volfir back home because he somehow figured out that, you know, she needs to go back to her dimension. Okay, I guess he's clever. And then ah, he's like, you you can do this, and I have faith in you. I didn't really, like, I, Siri is, like, very untrained, very uncontrolled. I didn't know why he had this faith that Siri could, with, you know, sh- through sheer force of will, could somehow figure out how to send Wolf Meteor back home. But somehow that does happen. And, you know, Yen at that point has decided she's like, oh, uh, so Gerald before he says that um, Wolf Meteor is not leaving Siri because her house burned down and she needs a vessel, right? So he's like, okay, we'll never get her out until she has another vessel. So Yennefer at this point decides, you know, sign me up. I'm going to sacrifice myself. <laughs> and she slits her wrists, which I thought that was good parallelism because it's um, last time she slit her wrists was when she wanted to die because she felt completely you know out of control so this time it's kind of nice parallelism this is her way of atoning for what she did i felt it was again too fast too soon but i get the the desire you know that the need to do that um and then yeah then it's, it's a little convoluted the embers go into yen so it kind of seems as though both is in yen and then you're all like oh you know portal is out of here siri somehow remembers the words, uh, which I think it's the same words, I guess, to make a portal. They portal magically into the right dimension. You know, she rejoins the hunt there and they tell her, you know, one of the, you know, the hunt says, you know, come join us. And she um, somehow also manages to get them back. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how Siri somehow has these powers that she doesn't know about and can't control, but somehow are very specifically tuned to those worlds, but whatever. <laughs> Yeah, my my confusion with this bit was, yeah, so Geralt says that um, Volathmir is never going to leave Ciri because she needs a vessel. I don't get how then Yennefer sacrificing herself, like killing herself essentially or trying to, would make Volathmir automatically go into her. I know that she started saying some kind of um, some kind of elder speech then, but I didn't get, because she smashes the potion that she made. And I didn't get if that was her 
is that how it's used? I was like, is that how it's used? Is that how they do them? <laughs> Smash them. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, because I didn't get what made Volathmir go from Siri into Yennefer. But then again, maybe it's that what you were saying, Mindy, that it's like the power of love and sacrifice. And um, it kind of reminded me of like Harry Potter, you know, when like his mom um, saves Harry in the very, very beginning and Harry can't be taught, can't be harmed because of the love of his mother. Maybe it was like that. I'm not sure. I'm just speculating. But that was one thing I wasn't clear on. Maybe something I might like Google later and try and find some fan theories on. I don't know. I'm, I'm totally with you because, like, yeah, why would she do that? So it's pretty clear, like, the Emperor's going at the end, and then when they're in the Red World, the Emperor's leave again. So that yeah. part, I think, was well shown. But yeah. why, I get. And also, um, she tells, Yen says later, oh, my magic came back to me. And yeah, okay, we can get that in terms of, like, a mortal world, her magic will come back. But who's returning her magic? Is there like a power that's giving the magic back that says, Yennefer, you you did a good thing. I, you deserve to have your magic back. <laughs> who gave her her magic back? Bullock Meir gave her her magic back. She Did she even have the power to do that? And like Bullock Meir suddenly recognizes and appreciates sacrifice and she's rewarding the end. Like, I didn't get it. Yeah, who's in charge? <laughs> who dishes out the magic? <laughs> that's yeah and again it's just the the magic is that connection to chaos going back to the conjunction there isn't like well i take it back they actually in the show they did have those eels at eratusa oh yeah that like powers it that's a new thing also so i can't really i guess that is a good question i guess i can't really answer <laughs> what that is but yeah i don't know i again it could just be a self-realization thing that y'all said yeah. that she earned it back or she connect reconnected through the power of helping people and i don't know you're right i guess i don't know <laughs> no, i'm with you i'm with you <laughs> yeah the whole the whole her not having magic the entire season was like very very interesting i did not think it was going to go on as long as it did when it first yeah. happened i was like okay she'll get it back well one i was like well she has to get it back to to train siri mm -hmm. and the way they did it is she ended up training siri without having it and just telling her the words and all that which again is is an interesting decision so i guess she she just she got it back through sheer force of will <laughs> i don't know it, it seems like it's a reward for her sacrificing herself but in that case who's the power that's giving it back to her you know it's kind of yeah. like in a world where that's a let's say you know a world we live in like with god right so it's a it's a normal thing for you know a movie to say oh god gave her back the power but there's no such thing in this world like, so it's just curious. <laughs> but anyway, so now at the end of, oh, I, I don't know if you guys noticed. So um, when Yennefer, at the end of this battle, she goes around healing everyone. Um, <laughs> she somehow also has more makeup on than before. It's oh, really? <laughs> pretty clear to me that it's like, I don't know, another day of filming or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, she looks more sparkly than before. <laughs> anyway. Um, so now, you know, he and Geralt and Vesemir have this conversation while Vesemir is removing medallions from the Dead Witchers, and Geralt says, we, we need to keep moving. Um, unclear again where he's going to move to, but he, his motivation is clear. He says, you know, everybody wants her. Um, the mages want her, the royals want her. We have to somehow, I guess, hide. And that leads into the, you know, conclusion of this episode with showing us everybody who wants Siri. And which we have, um, you know, Tisea meeting with the um, 
the monarchy and saying, you know, she's really powerful and Rodinia, the king visitor wants to marry her and then I'll have a claim to Cintra and they'll control us all. So they decide we're going to um, put a bounty on the girl and then they have to say a thing and anyone who's going to help her, which I thought was great because it, it sets to say up to be adversarial against Yen because presumably Yen now is going to, um, you know, uh, be on their team. So having Tisea, who's Yen, you know, Yen is her favorite student, going to be against Yen. It's I think it's setting it up to be some some, some nice drama. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I agree. I did notice that because at, at that point I wasn't sure if Tisea realized that Yennefer was with would have be would be with Siri. I know she mentions that. Um, she's at Kerr Morhen, but I don't know if she knows that Yen is at Kerr Morhen. And this is one like one of my favorite things about Witcher is like all the parallel relationships. So like Yennefer is going to become to Siri what to say was to herself. You've got the same sort of thing with Geralt and Siri, Vesemir and Geralt. Um, but yeah, this particular scene, obviously they put the bounty out on her. We get introduced to a couple of new cat. Well, we've met most of them before, but Maeve was one that you get introduced to. Um, I'm not really familiar with who she is. I don't think she's in the game, um, but she seems pretty cool. I quite like her. Uh, but other than that, yeah, the, the main point from this was obviously to say a, going up against Yen, which would be a very interesting scene. Yeah, Maeve is uh, the only game she comes into is Thronebreaker. Oh, really? And then her sad sack sons, uh, one of them makes an appearance in the DLC of The Witcher 3. But yeah, that was, what's interesting here is, yeah, the Redania is kind of like out of this little group, aren't they? Yeah, I was wondering that also, like, why are they, it, it could be that if they meant to communicate it, but they didn't get a chance to, because they weren't, Redania, this year was with the mages when they had the whole ceremony in episode three. So Somehow, between then and now, where you know Regania is shown to be, we see the audience see that Regania wants to take over the continent. But the other mages, we haven't seen them know that. So it's kind of like, I guess, what's supposed to have happened in between, and you know, where to, to, where they're they didn't really show us that right. The the other kingdoms are fearful of Regania. Yeah, because Redania is supposed to be where Oxenfurt is. Like Oxenfurt supposed to be in Redania. But they don't ever say that when they're in Oxenfurt this season. And in one of the scenes, I'm pretty sure some of the guards, like sigils, have the lilies of Tamaria. And I don't know if I'm just looking too much into that or if I miss something or whatever, because like something like that should it should kind of be a big deal what these kingdoms are. And like the whole point of the Northern Realms are they're united. They have to unite against Nilfgaard because if they were to go one on one, it would be just out of it like that's the whole point of it and so this is another like just a change that they're doing because Dijkstra is in the books he's a spy master Redania is there Vizimir but they're they're gonna they try to wed or they want to wed Siri to this I think it was Kovir or Povis like a very minor one and someone else and so they're really kind of making that play up I'm guessing it's just to make Dijkstra maybe a little bit bigger or make Redania kind of the spread or have some kind of infighting amongst the northern realms i don't know because it's just weird that they excluded them there and because yeah they're going to marry they want her to marry wait did they did i get this confused did they want her to marry full test or am i getting that wrong it sounds it sounds as though vizmir wants to marry yeah maybe i'm actually okay now again the dang the sickness and being in this room is kind of throwing me maybe it was in the books they wanted 
her to marry Foltest. That's exactly that's, that's what right, yeah. I think that's it. I think they want her to marry Foltest at this point in the books. It's later on they want her to marry this guy from Kovira Povis. That's right. Because, yeah, it, that, that's the change in what it is. Yeah. So that's another interesting thing because, again, because Siri Sintra, Foltest is, you know, it's kind of on that border there, Tamaria. And so that was kind of the, the, a change up there also. But it's, it's setting the stage that could be really good. You know, this political intrigue and all of this, whether it be the mages and Yen and then the Northern Realms and all that. It's introducing a lot, though. And we've talked about how it's only eight episodes and how I feel mm-hmm. it's still kind of cramped and rushed. And nothing was really wound up this season, right? Like no storyline. I guess the only one you could say would be the Voleth Mir one, but mm. she's not, she's going to come back, right? Mm. And yeah. they didn't wind up Frangilla's and Francesca's. Like, I don't know. So it seems like there's, they're opening up a lot more, more uh, pathways or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. more branching out, I should say. So again, yeah. I'm reserving judgment. It's just the ambition is there. I hope they can uh, bring it all in. No, I agree. I think uh, these last few scenes where we get to see where each of the areas is at and their stories are kind of like wound up in a way, but it sort of ends where they're all deciding that they need Siri or they want to kill Siri or they need Siri to save them or they need to get Siri. And yeah, I think like I, I forgot until this point how many different groups of characters are at play here. And you've got like Tissaia and the Brotherhood, the Elves, Redania, Nilfgaard, and then Riance, who I'm still kind of confused by because he's with this woman, Lydia. And they're referring to this person. We get to just see the back of this person. She refers to him as my lord. I personally don't know who that is. Brett might have an idea. Ooh, oh, yeah. Do you think, should I, should <laughs> I have know- an idea? Uh... I mean, maybe. I don't know. Mindy, do you know who it is? Unfortunately, I was spoiled. I do know who it is. Okay. Um, like, Luce, you're going to get spoiled. I'll tell you. I'll tell okay. you off. <laughs> if, if there was any way that you could hold off on it, it would be great because what they're setting up for is basically kind of their own red wedding. Like, there's no question. Oh. Like, it's that part kind of thing. But, yeah, I, you're going to have to know because it's going to get spoiled eventually. I'm probably going to accidentally will. spoil it during an episode. <laughs> of what it is so but i do love i'm glad you mentioned that that because i mentioned earlier about how serious this mcguffin for everybody that's also a crux of her character is Mm. everybody and at this point in the story every single person wants siri but only Geralt, and maybe you can even somewhat say yen now or maybe even the witchers want siri to protect her and for her everybody else wants her but they want her for her blood Mm-hmm. some as we see are going to want her or you see the northern realms or they want her for her literal uterus they just want what can come <laughs> out of her and that's going to be the biggest thing and it's going to it's going to be a big crux of her character again that everybody wants you but nobody cares about you they want to use yeah. you and that's going to just play into a lot so it's great that they're setting that stage here to really kick off the next season you know, that, that's interesting, the language that you use, because that is how Yennefer feels about herself. She says so in the last season. She says so in, um, in her outburst with Tahir. She said, basically, everyone just wants to use you, and no one likes you for who you are. So yeah. that's interesting. I wonder if that'll come up when she coaches her. Because she definitely tells her um, in one of her previous episodes, she says, you know, even if we get separated, remember that power is the only thing, which I thought was like, you know, 
to kind of passing on her own <laughs> unhealthy messages. It's like, yeah. you know, don't go for love. Don't go for relationships. Don't yeah. go for family power. That's all you need. <laughs> I think a big thing that there was protection and she knows that yeah. she has to have that power to protect herself because she can do everything else. She can love other people. She can want other things, but Yen knows who she's dealing with from the mages, especially, I mean, like Stregobor, you know, alone, him alone, especially those and the Northern realms. Cause again, she's been a, uh, advisor, if you will. So she knows these people will not treat her well. And that power is the only way for her to protect herself. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it, it would make sense for someone like Yen to think about. Yeah. It, yeah. Spot on. <laughs> yeah. So another group that wants, um, uh, sorry, Cirilla is, um, the elves. So basically the elves are now sitting around the campfire, which is you know, in the beginning of the season, we see them in the forest and, you know, we get the impression they've been hiding in the forest for a long time. So now they're kind of like back at square one. <laughs> and but they do say, oh, we should return to Central and come for us. Which I'm like, what exactly are you thinking? I don't know what, you know, how exactly do you think you're going to be treated by Central now, now that you left them? Well, whatever. So Gage, once again, is being a moral person. He's like, like, let's, we had our revenge. Let's end it here. Let's not go killing any more people. <laughs> Gage, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I like moral characters, what can I say? And Francesca is still sitting there stewing in her hatred, and she's like, no, no, no. Oh, actually, sorry, Uncle Vandral says this. He says, you know, we want justice. And to me, it's just, um, it's perpetuating kind of global justice for something that happened thousands of years ago. And, you know, you're, you're perpetuating evil on people who have not done anything to you just because they're part of a race that has done something to you over the years or at some point. So bothers me <laughs> yeah they're very much ready to go to war against the humans now i think she's she's done trying to find a home and she's gonna take one yeah and that's the biggest thing because philavandrel does not come back after the edge of the world he's never in the saga or the novels and the only thing that francesca really cares about is a home for the elves as far as i remember she does not care about siri at all like never does anything so for them to introduce that that the elves now that she could save us and going back, I know to Ithmian's prophecy is just interesting. And yeah, it throws another iron in the fire of people that mm -hmm. I guess could go after Siri, but I definitely think that they, they have bigger, bigger issues such as uh, like killing all those babies, I guess. Yeah. And I, I'm, I don't know what the relationship with Nilfgaard is going to be like now, which I'm there now. It could be, I mean, it could be anything. Um, I really don't know. But, but yeah, so, you know, how does she find, come to wanting Siri? Isrid is discovered. He's hanging around there. They ring him in and they're like, I don't care. Just kill him, which is, you don't really care about people at all. And Isrid's like, no, no, no. Um, you know, they're like, he, he tries talking about Siri, which I'm not quite sure about his motivations. What do you think his motivations were for wanting to tell the elves about Siri? I can't really remember how he ended up in this situation. Um, but so because he was previously with Nilfgaard wasn't he but then he ended up with the Brotherhood and now he's with the elves I mean maybe it, this is him at a panic station he's he knows he's going to be killed so he's using information just to save his own ass but um yeah I'm not I'm not entirely sure to be honest wait how that's that's true I don't remember how did he get how did he get there, there? they said Geralt's were there weren't they around. you know yeah. the guards shot him in and they're like oh he was creeping around here which to me yeah approached the elves and he wanted to tell them this information 
I, I think, is he trying, because I know he's sympathetic towards the elves and he was trying to help them plan escape routes. So does he think, you know, he tells them that he, she's Hanak here, right? She's elder blood and if he like, prophesies, she can save us. So is he, does he think he can help the elves this way? Yeah, and he also does say, because for the other podcast that I do, we just did episode five, that he's trying to help the elves in Sintra, but then he admits to Geralt, nah, I came here for a woman. Like, so mm-hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, I'm helping him out, but I was really here looking for Yennefer. And I I, I don't know, because you're right. I just assumed, it was, again, it was a self-preservation thing. They're saying, kill him. And he's going to do whatever he can, obviously not to be killed, knowing that they're elves, knowing Hennig hair, elder blood, that they would be interested in that. So I think it's just the same thing where it's just it's self-preservation. But yeah, now I'm really wondering where, like how the hell was he just out there? Yeah, what's he skulking around these forests? For? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he went to tell them because he thought it would help them. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Oh, and that's true because it because Streg see, that's another massive show inclusion of Stregobor. Stregobor does not ever come back after the huh. lesser evil. He's a much bigger character now. It's yeah. very antagonistic, you know, in this kind of two sides of Eretuza, which was, again, not in the books. It was always very unified mm-hmm. at this point of Eretuza. And so I guess that's true. If he realizes if Stregobor's in charge of this power play between Vilgefortz and Tissaia and Stregobor, that, you know, he doesn't even want to choose a side there. So maybe he sees the elves as a way out, which seems a really poor ally, but good for <laughs> him. I like the elves. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I think he sides with the underdog. I think that's his personality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He thinks is the underdog. That's definitely they're definitely the underdog. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of another person who wants Siri, um, the owl, Philippa, overhears this, goes back to Dijkstra. Finally, she turns into her human form, and um, and she tells them, you know, that they also want the elves, and he's like, okay, fine. And then he tells them something very curious. Sorry, he tells Philippa. He says, bring me back to the bar. It's time that he paid back his benefactor. So I didn't know about any connection between the bar and Dijkstra. Mm-hmm. That was something revealed very quickly in the books in Blood of Elves is, mm-hmm. I was about to say Dandelion, but yeah. Dandelion's like, Yaskier is spying for Dijkstra and Redania, like openly, like Yen knows it, like they know that he's a spy like throughout, so... <laughs> That was again. I didn't think they just were gonna do it. I was like, okay, he's just not gonna be a spy, which will be kind of weird. But now it's looking like, oh, he was okay. So they kind of pulled that out on me at the end. I didn't even think of that. I thought he was just his patron of the arts. <laughs> yeah, and they also make him very. His character is very different because it's what you would call now in this modern society kind of problematic. Okay. Uh, as a womanizer, and he says some really, really bad things that would probably get him canceled now uh to yen especially in some of the short stories like really like kind of shocking that i knew they wouldn't put in the show and so he's very like altruistic he was helping the elves also that is not like book yaskier he's not that nice he's not a good person he's not a bad person but he's not anything like that he's just a he's a bard that likes to sing and he's a bard that likes to sing and you know go Mm -hmm. He's a womanizer, like absolutely no question about that. And he says stuff in here, but we don't actually see him womanizing yeah. at all. As a matter of fact, we never see him with a woman, period, do we? He refers to it, but yeah. It would, yeah, yeah, we never actually see him doing it. And like, that's just, just the big thing of him is he's this almost libertine, if you want to call it that. But I do like that they included that. I just wish we kind of 
maybe could have seen a little bit of the subterfuge or at least maybe get his being a little cautious with it, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't seem, you know, sometimes when you know information and you go back, you yeah. see those clues. Yeah. So far, I don't see it, but yeah, maybe when we get to next season, we'll rewind and check it out. Like if he's spying for Redania, why is he like, why is he the uh, sandpiper? Wasn't that he was? He was mm-hmm. the sandpiper, like helping the elves out of Oxenfurt. Mm-hmm. Like, again, Oxenfurt's supposed to be in Redania. If Redania doesn't care about the, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm just looking too much into it. Yeah, I didn't even, to be honest, I didn't even pick up. I picked up on that he wanted the bard, but I didn't pick up on it. I, I don't think I fully understood what he meant by benefactor. Um, So, but it does seem a bit out of nowhere, isn't it? There's, I know what you mean. Usually on a second watch through, like what we said about um, Dooney in the dream before, mm. on a second watch through, you might notice that the second time and think, ah, he doesn't because he's still alive. Yeah. But there's nothing that I would watch back and think, oh yeah, Yaskier is, um, you know, spying. Um, I did really like this little scene. It was quite short with Dijkstra and Philippa, but in the scene with the elves beforehand, I really like how the whole way through the scene, you can hear an owl hooting. Yeah, and yeah. I was sitting going, oh, Philippa's there, Philippa's there. <laughs> and then you finally get the reveal. And uh, I'm excited to see more of her. I think she'll be really good. Yeah, I, it was really because she was at Sodden. She's a really big player. And right. for her to really be introduced in one of the last seasons, season two, Again, it's again. I, I guess I can't really spoil it because I haven't done it the same way. But she, for the most part, was the leader mm. of like Eratusa and like the leader kind of ongoing. So, for, for such a big character for them to throw in here at the end is uh, again just a, one of those changes that you know we'll see what happens with it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah, we go back to Kermori and. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, more things I don't understand. But you know, um, she has a conversation with Daryl. Daryl says, I don't forgive you, but it looks like you're the only person who can teach her magic, which frankly, I'll say you weren't trying very hard before. Like you took her to Melatelli and she was there for like five minutes before she got attacked. So it's not like Melatelli really had their, you know, enough time to, to try teaching her magic. But okay. So he decides, well, keep me on around because she can <laughs> teach her. And she's like, as if I trust anyone else with her. I'm like, you literally tried to kill her yesterday. I can't understand. <laughs> so sudden. Fine. And then they, they talk about how, let's see, villain Trenton Mirth, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> villain Trenton. It's a very long name, the dragons. <laughs> um, you know, he he were, he says how, you know, he told them that they were destined for each other, but nothing would happen because destiny is not enough. And, you know, <sighs> The telling thing for me was just how, 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 I don't know, I don't know how to say that, but he's like ensnared by Yen. There's just something about Yen that he can't let go of. And like, even though she did what she did to his daughter, he just has to have her next to him. And he's, he says he doesn't forgive her, but I don't know, he looks really close. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I don't know if the show means to teach us about unhealthy relationships or if their love is supposed to be inspiring. I personally find it more of the latter. Like, I think that he is enslaved to her in some way that she doesn't deserve. Like, I didn't like Yennefer at all until until uh, the battle of Sodden because she finally did something nice for other people. <laughs> and then, and then throughout the season, you know, she was she was actually being nice. She was, you know, she tried to help that um, Darian, Damian, 
the guy who got pulled under, you know, in the sewers and she tried to help the little elven girl and she felt bad for the elf. So like, finally, I was like, oh, you have a heart, Jennifer. Like, you actually care about other people than yourself. So I start to like her more, but that doesn't mean she's a good person or a healthy person to be in a relationship with. So, and again, I, I'm assuming this definitely from the books, but at least show Jennifer is like pretty unhealthy person, <laughs> damaged person. So Geralt loving her, to me, just shows like when you need someone so badly, even if they're bad for you. Yeah, the betrayal of the the whole series that she's gonna like betray, if you will, or take her there, and then had the change of heart. Yeah, it's it's hard to really wrap around with everything else that happens around it, and I'm still kind of I don't have a good answer <laughs> either. I just kind of just kind of look because yeah, you're right. It just it, like, and I've beaten this dead horse, hmm. but it's just they haven't had enough time together. And I know I said that about Geralt and Syria. I've said that about Geralt and everybody. Like, just Geralt and Yen, that we had that, the last wish from the first season. Oh, they were destined. But as, again, mentioned by that, the uh, the villain Trent Mirth and the Vorch Jackdaws, that it needs more and nothing will ever come of it. But they're just not working on that, like, from the show aspect or their own relationship aspect. It's just kind of going and they're saying we're supposed to do it and then we're supposed to believe it. And like you said, Geralt's like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be together or destiny and all this. But it's like, why? Yeah. Why Why would you really want to at this point? So I'm just kind of at the same. I'm just tossing out darts trying to hope one hits. <laughs> it's so hard to like disassociate yourself with the Yen and Geralt's that you know from other you know, from the game for me and for Brett would be the books and the games. So like, that's why you're perspective is really interesting Mindy because you only you just know the Netflix version yeah. of this couple so for me I keep thinking of Yen and Gerald in Witcher 3 and like their relationship in that it's it's not perfect by any means but you you do get a little you they definitely got more of a grounded sort of understanding of each other whereas here it's kind of all over the place and completely distrusting and I'm not completely there with them yet but like it, that's why it's interesting to hear your opinion because um you're not sort of guided at all by what you know from other things and such a big thing also is their bonding with siri helps them bond and yeah. they have that where they both eventually you have this love of what amounts to a daughter in which they both also can't have children and so that kind of brings them together as well and that obviously was a massive miss on the show as far as like yin and siri are concerned yeah, I, 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 my assumption was always that it'll develop in future seasons um, and that, you know, they kind of pushed that off. They just added more drama and then pushed off the developing relationships later. But yeah, I mean. But that's, I mean, that's the, that's the stories. And I think that's the easiest way to find out to me if someone understands what the books and what the essence of The Witcher is. And if they think it's about badass monster hunter and badass fighter then i'm like okay you did not understand these books at all if you think that the witcher is about the witcher and about monster hunting and it's all about relationships it's siri first and foremost and it's Geralt and them and then it's a group of people that may get together it's all relationships and it's all how they interact while all this ongoing stuff is happening it's almost this massive thing and kind of seeing here we're seeing this conflict like we see these wars and Geralt's just weaving his way through all of this <laughs> while all this massive stuff is happening. You know, it's the same thing of telling a story about a, you know, a father looking for his son 
in World War II, you know, as the landing at Normandy or something like that. And somewhere inland, while these bombs are going off and these paratroopers are going on, some guy's just looking for his son. There's this major thing going on that's real world stakes. But to this person, if you're telling that story, it's small stakes, but it's everything to them. And that's what this is. He's traversing this world of the continent, trying to find his daughter, trying to find all these people while these life-changing events are going on. And so that's just something that they, I, they still have time to do it. Mm-hmm. But like you said before, Mindy, as well, if they're pushing these things on, you eventually can't do it because it's too much. Like we need, need the groundwork of the relationships, the groundwork of the stakes to then make everything else hit later on. Yeah, and also to me, Siri's reaction. So, you know, we have at least Garrett tells her, oh, I don't forgive you. So there's some, you know, pushback. But Siri, who was the one who was almost sacrificed by her, you know, they go out and Siri tells them both, I'm tired of darkness, and they just sit down together. And Geralt's like, us three will all help each other. And I'm like, Siri should be like, get yet away from me. Like, yeah. I don't want her near me. But she doesn't. She just, yeah. Like, oh, fine. Yeah, it's a weird one. I, this, like, I'm, I didn't think about that initially when I was watching it, but then when I watched it today, I did, it did kind of hit me where I was like, there's no, like, Geralt's made it very clear that he's not forgiving Yen and he doesn't trust her, but Siri has not made that clear, whether or not Siri's still kind of just, you know, a bit in shock, probably, and overwhelmed. But hopefully we'll maybe see at the start of the next series, maybe she's not warming to Yen so much as she was initially, because whenever they first meet in the temple, I kind of feel like Siri immediately really takes to Yen and really likes being around her. So hopefully it doesn't just get forgotten or pushed to one side that Yen did what she did by Siri as well as Geralt. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very, very urgent that they address it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to me, like, okay, I can see that if they want, if they want to, you know, add the drama and like they want that to be a new element to like betrayal and overcoming that if it's well done <laughs> so this scene ends where basically Gerald does this like this exposition you know he explains like what had he thinks happened that her scream woke both my ear uh way back you know when she uh was fought escaping whatever she's being kidnapped out of Sintra and both ear wants to go home again whatever not very well communicated but fine and then he's like how did Nilfgaard you know know about you how did they know who you are and then we end with the last scene. I thought that was actually well, well done to lead to the last mm-hmm. scene where it's very exciting. Amir finally shows up and, you know, they're um, walking into this throne room and Kahir and Fringilla are carrying out their plan. And they're like, yeah, we totally killed that old <laughs> baby because we wanted the elves to, you know, uh, give up hope and fight for us. And um, Amir's like, oh, elves don't care about elves. How do you do that? And like, yeah, you know, we the baby and then he says the child is brutal but can move mountains i should know and then he turns around with the big reveal i killed the baby uh the only way to find my daughter and boom boom it's duty and he's like take them away and kahir and fringilla are probably imprisoned or something (laughs) yeah this was good because this this was a reveal that was literally in like the third to last chapter of the final novel So for them to get this out of the way is massive, but I also think it's very smart because like the one Lucy, you talked about that you haven't been spoiled at the minute you said it, that's a massive one too, that a lot of people are just got ruined on or spoiled, if you will, but to just get this one out, you know, you don't have to worry about, Oh, who is this? Who is this? 
and it allows them to actually do more with Dunny, who now we know is Siri's father, who is alive. You know, now it's all, wait a minute, they, they died in a shipwreck. Why is she dead? Why is he alive? And then, you, can, you know, they can kind of go from there. So, no, this was this was great. I can only imagine the people that didn't know, like mm. Mindy, Mindy, I'm assuming. That's what I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah. I, well, while the scene was going on, I was like, she's a dad. It's Duty, it's Duty. Just because okay. of what he was saying. Yeah. So, like, five seconds before he turned around, I knew it, it was him. Okay. But, but okay. even in that moment there, it's that's like, good, yeah. yeah, just a huge cliffhanger, you know, that's a good way to end the season also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, I mean, I heard interviews where, and, and people were verifying this, that basically in the books, apparently, you know, you see the name Amir, but like, because it's not a visual medium, the, the author can hide from the audience that it's Dooney, but in, in the movie, you would have to like have him for five episodes seasons without like, yeah. you know, with yeah, a mask yeah. on or something. And he doesn't, he doesn't appear that often, but oh. obviously the only person that we would know that would know it would be Geralt, and Geralt never comes face to face with him until this chapter at the very end of the mm-hmm. books and yeah the way it's like described it's always Nilfgaardian people and yeah there's no direct you know description because they could have done that I know that's a big thing that in Game of Thrones or Song of Ice and Fire that George R. Martin did whereas to hint at it you describe characters the same characteristics but never using their name because some people wouldn't know and they didn't really do that at least I can think of so yeah, it's just this allows them to do more with it, and it should be they should have more fun with this character for sure. Because again, he's not he's not in the books that really that much, hmm. but there is something. Well, never mind. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, I mean, it ends. It makes us very intrigued in the next season. Because my first question is like, why is he going through all this like weird route to get his daughter? How did he land up in Nilfgaard? How's he the White Flame? Why did he start a cult? Like. It just brings up all these questions. So like, many what? questions. <laughs> well, the cult, see, that's, oh man, the, the whole, that the whole Nilfgaard and like the cult, it's not, he didn't start this. Like if this cult is not like him doing it, this is just the Nilfgaardian religion, this oh. cult of the great sun. He is the white flame. They don't even think they say the white flame dancing on the barrows of his enemies or the graves of his foes, mm. which Lucy, you would have heard that from the games. Yeah, that's yeah. like his title. He's the white flame dancing because basically there's and they mentioned the usurper in the first season. Fringilla mentions the usurper, so that's actually in the show as well. This usurper rises up, kills Emir's father named Fergus. He takes over. Eventually, people find Emir, who was, you know, Dunny and all that. They get him for somehow, spell that. They put him back on the throne, and he basically executed the usurper to where they don't even know his name. Like they've erased his name from existence and everybody else. And in his like palace or the throne room or whatever it is, are the barrows or the graves of those people. So he walks on their graves like every day and everybody walks on them. Hence, he's the white flame dancing on the graves of his foes. And they've like they've really upped the religion and the cult of Nilfgaard so much. And it's one of those things, again, by having Frangilla and Kyrie repeat so often the white flame, the white flame. It's so different that, again, I have nothing to add on it because I don't know what they're doing with it. They've made it just so much more important. And I don't know, maybe in the show, it might be him that started this uh, religion, but that is not really what it was. It's just the Nilfgaardian great son. Did the, did the part with Frangilla and Kahir, you know, get thrown in prison happen in the books? Uh, no, Frangilla is, I don't even know if Frangilla even shows up at this time. Her role is massive. Kair is, by this time in Blood of Elves, Kair is actually released because this is when we see. Uh, Emir for the first time at the end of Blood of Elves, Kyer has been imprisoned. 
because after Sintra, he failed to get Siri, he gets arrested mm-hmm. and he's arrested for, I don't know, I don't know the time period. It might've been a couple of years, even at this time, months, whatever it is, he gets, he's released. And basically, uh, Emir goes up to him and goes, okay, you have knowledge of this girl. You know what she looks like, blah, blah, blah. Here's your chance. Like we're going to execute you. He was going to be executed, but now it's like, here's your chance. Go back out and find her. So again, it's Kyer is 99% different from the books. Frangilla, I'd say, is 95% different. And Kyer is the number one person, if you were to ask me, who am I most interested in? It's him. Because to if they're going to get him to where he is in the books, I don't know how in the world they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. I really, truly don't in any conceivable way. It's the number one thing I think about with this show. Because I don't, I know you. I don't know how much you've been spoiled about what happens to him or what he does, but it is. I I don't know how they're going to do it. I really don't. Oh, okay. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> and that's. Really, I don't want to be vague or be like misleading <laughs> like that, but it, it's something you know. Without spoiling things, it's just it's just so different what they've done with Nilfgaard. And again, I I genuinely have enjoyed it though this season. Yes, yeah, so I guess this is the perfect time to talk overall about about the season. Um, like his favorite parts. Well, we probably, I think we talked extensively about our not favorite parts. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you're, what are your overall thoughts? Um, so for me, initially, overall, it seems like so many steps up from season one. Like I personally, I've, I've maybe watched season one through maybe twice three times but this one I can see myself going back to a lot more especially like specific episodes um I think probably my first my favorite episode is still the first one um I love the story of Nivellen or Nivellen um I love the actor I thought he did an amazing job I think it looked really amazing and I've loved recently Netflix have been posting loads of um, sort of behind the scenes videos of how they did certain things and I loved the behind the scenes of how they did Nivellen and how he was like fully in that suit apart from his face everything's real and I just thought it looked great um, and the story was really good I love how they updated the story to include Siri because she's not there in the books that is one of the stories I have actually read um, so that was really cool for me as well because up, up until then I had never had any background knowledge of to what I thought was going to happen in in the series but this one I sort of knew the story so I felt like I had like the inside scoop on what was going to happen um but I loved the changes they made as well um who I'm most interested in seeing more of I can't wait to see where Francesca goes mm-hmm. um I really really like her story even you know I, I'm not saying I agree with everything she's done but I I think she's one to watch, definitely. Yeah, Francesca's another one. If if Kyer was changed the most, maybe she's the second most. So I, really? agree, with, I agree with you there. There's, again, she, if, if it's going to follow basically along what happens in the books, she also has to do something or has to go on a journey that I don't know how they're going to get there uh, mm-hmm. in that sense there. Uh, overall, I enjoyed the season. I enjoyed it a lot. It was head, shoulders, torso, whatever you want to call it, better than the first season. <laughs> I was just not a fan of the first season. Not from, oh, it's by the books. I don't care about that. From a storytelling and just a watching perspective or experience, uh, the first season was just, to me, it just wasn't very good. And this was just a lot better. They're telling a cohesive, well, for the most part, you know, a cohesive story. 
And I just, yeah, it's, I'm just glad that there's a Witcher show that we can talk about to yeah. experience. It is not an adaptation. At least this was not really an adaptation. They're doing a lot of their own things. They've left out a lot of stuff that I've loved. I mentioned before, I didn't even talk about Shaharawed. So Lucy, there you go. You don't got to hear that again. <laughs> the Shaharawed scene and all that. Uh, there's big stuff in there that they haven't, but it's, I'm, I'm excited. Like when the season ended, I genuinely was upset that it would be at least a year to yeah. watch it again. And to me, that's all I need to know if I enjoyed a show or not. Mm -hmm. I was up a height. See when I, I probably watched the last four episodes in one sitting. Um, and I was honestly like up here after watching the last episode and I could not settle down. I wanted, I just wanted to know immediately what was going to happen. Cause I think especially the build up at the end where you see all these different groups of people basically coming to the same conclusion that they all want to get Siri. I was just like, I was so, so excited about it. And I thought it was a great ending overall. And it made me so excited for season three. Yeah. The wild hunt is yeah. here. Philippa is here. Like they're mm -hmm. kind of really starting to get a so lot many of the, character reveals. Yeah, a lot of the big characters, a lot of that. And like I said, and I did actually see a tweet from her saying that the next book time of contempt is a lot easier mm -hmm. to translate and adapt. So mm -hmm. um, I think they'll kind of, you know, and again, it's whatever, it's their own story. They don't have to do the other things, but there are certain, there is one thing again, that they're really going to have to really tie everything to. And um, when they adapt the source material, it's really good, like a grain of truth. It was great. Yeah. And what they changed from a grain of truth, I mean, me and Lucy talked about this already, but we liked it better, like yeah. the ending and what they did. And so they've shown that they can do that. And I just hope, you know, I hope the executives, I hope the people in charge trust them to be able to slow things down, trust the writers with good dialogue, and, you know, really land these character moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like what you said, you know, you kept talking about how so much of what was in the season was was new and that it was very ambitious. I think you're right. Like I didn't, you know, really hearing from you how how much was added, that is pretty ambitious. And I can see how it's hard to get all that like story and tell it well. Um, yeah, I, I have to say, like, you know, the fact that, that someone like me is watching The Witcher is a very big accomplishment for them because I absolutely <laughs> watch rom-coms. I, when I watch something, I like to have happy, happy, happy everywhere, unicorns and rainbows and happy endings. So if I watch something serious, <laughs> one of those may come into the Witcher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it should. One of them will, I promise you'll, yeah. you'll get. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and I also, you know, my husband, um, I watched this, got this through just because of blah, 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 long story with webtoons. But um, my husband was sure I would last 10 minutes. He's like, it's violent. It's gory. You're not going to be able to stand it. And mm -hmm. I, I had to like cover my face for the gory parts, but I was hooked and I'm now obsessed. So uh, kudos to them for making me, you know, fascinated by the world. And, yeah, in terms of characters. Great. Also, yeah, fell in love with the characters. I want to know what's going to happen to them. Yeah. Yeah, for me also, it's the, the ones that are most interested in are Fahir and Fringilla. Um, because they both started out as like, mm, you know, they were presented as the villains from Milkard yeah. and they're coming to destroy. And then we get their human side and we're like, okay, what's going to happen with them? You know, Fringilla has her arc of becoming the leader. Kahir has the arc of being less of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious. I guess that would be, and I'm saying this, I've had to go to the bathroom for a long time now, but I, you see this, I want to talk about it because we know what Fringilla wants, right? Like, it's just, 
like she wants power, right? She mm-hmm. wants to be in charge, make a difference, whatever. What does Kyer want? Okay, I'm with you on that because remember in episode four, he he told Yen, he was like, you know, oh, to say I tried to get into my mind, and what would she account? And I was like, yes, what would she account? Tell me, what's your motivation? What drives you? Yeah. Why are you who you are? And he all he said was, we serve Amir because yeah. he serves first. Yeah. So to me, that was like just you know, kind of a chapter heading, like what comes next? I need an explanation. What does that mean? He served you first. Were you in trouble and he saved you? Like, why? Why are you so into the white flame? Why are you such a fanatic? He doesn't strike me as the kind of, you know, servile person who just needs a leader. Like he's an independent yeah. person. He's very, you know, sharp-witted and he seems to want to do his own thing. So I'm curious, like, why was he so motivated to serve the white flame? Yeah. And that's my just ultimate problem, like with him and why he's the number one person I want to see is like what I, I don't know what they're going to do with him. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, <laughs> I think I'm going to let you go to the bathroom now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for coming on. This was such a pleasure. It was so, so nice to discuss all this with, with you guys. Thank you for having us. It's been good. Yeah. No, it's great. And like, uh, you know, Lucy said, I think we've said before, just getting the different perspectives mm. is always great because it is rare to have just a show watcher and someone yeah. not, at least with the games, you know, overwhelm, overwhelmingly is the games and then you kind of have the books and everything in there. But no, it is, it's nice to hear because you said like, we'll watch something. And like with Kyrie, I'm talking about his motivation. I'm like, well, I'm only saying that because I know where he's supposed to go. But someone who doesn't would be like, well, he's just, he's a zealot. There is no motivation. He's just a zealot. He's serving. It's like, oh, well, that, that's true. <laughs> so that's probably what it also be. So no, thanks for the invite. And uh, this was great. Yes. Well, thank you. And yeah, hopefully we'll be interacting more in the future. Perfect. Definitely. Awesome. Thanks so much. Have a great day, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you so much to my current patrons. Susie, Lady Lopez, Lily, Jelly, Molly, Veronica, Emily, Joe Rochelle, Saucy Tacos, Meg, Anne Rose, Priya, Alexa, Misty, Joanne, Patty, Emilta, Esther, and watching you people, Taurus, Poppy Seed, Marie, Emily, Jean, Jen, Erin, Kay, Lily, Beckett, Miranda, Christine, Sadie, Kelly, Daniel, Teresa, Mrs. Castaldo, Jen, and Tatiana. Your support is truly appreciated.